Hello and welcome back to the Fire and Fragrance podcast. Today we have Zane Nick sharing on servant-hearted leadership. He gives us some practical training and life experience to show us what it is to be a servant-hearted leader. Let's jump right in. I'm so stoked to be this morning. We're doing we're doing servant-hearted leadership this morning. Praise God. Let's do it. Um, let's get up and move around a little bit. I just want to move around a little bit. We're going after servant-hearted leadership. Servant leadership. We're going to see what God wants to say about it. A little crazy today. All right. Should we just read together? I mean, we're kind of woken up, but maybe we stand up too. I'm sorry. I'm making you sit, stand, sit, stand. Let's stand up and read it together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's do it. We need a little, we need a little unction in this, a little sauce on this today. All right. We're starting, on, we're starting at A in the key principle. Three, two, one, go. We have made a multi-billion dollar industry out of leadership training and development. All of this is amazing, but one key insight from the life of Jesus is often lacking that makes true leaders in the kingdom of God. Often servant leadership is confined to one chapter in the leadership book, when in reality, Jesus does not talk about another kind of leadership. Whoa! Let's do the next paragraph. In fact, Jesus never uses the word leader to refer to disciples or his future followers. However, the word servant is used multiple times to refer to Jesus' own leadership and the culture that his followers are to walk out and how they would lead. To Jesus, servant leadership was not one chapter. To Jesus, servant leadership, servanthood is leadership, and leaders who do not serve are not kingdom leaders. Should we read that underlined part again because I messed it up? Yeah, let's do it. To Jesus, servanthood is leadership. And leaders who do not serve are not kingdom leaders. Someone look at your neighbor and say, dang. Dang. All right, you can grab a seat. Dang. Dang. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. That was good. There was some unction in that. I believed you. There's some conviction in this room. Conviction in this room. It's crazy. There's a whole industry. There's a whole industry about it. I, I wonder. I wonder. Oh, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to keep going. John 13, 12 through 17. Jesus washes the disciples, of, disciples' feet. Jesus models leadership by washing the disciples' feet. He acknowledges he is Lord and teacher to them, but redefines those roles by taking a towel in the basin and saying, this is how you are to lead from now on. Now, I just want to, let's take a minute. Let's think about Jesus's ministry. And if we would follow him on TikTok or Instagram today. All right, let's just think about it. Jesus has, you know, a church of 72, you know. He's got 12 people he's discipling. One of them committed suicide. His only message is to get rid of everything you own. Trust him. Don't even carry a bag. Don't carry extra clothes. And then the ultimate place where he's headed is come follow me and be crucified with me. How many of us are following that TikTok person? How many of us are following that person on Instagram? I mean, his message, he's getting on there. You know, he's made, I mean, I think Jesus is way cooler than this, but he's like, whoa, 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 don't scroll, don't scroll. Lay your life down and die and join me as we start the biggest movement the world's ever seen. But it's not going to be through influence. It's going to be through a bowl and a towel and washing people's feet. How many of us are following him? I'm just saying, how many of us are reading Jesus' leadership book? I hope we are. I hope we are. 
but are we trying to? It's confronting. We've got, man, this idea of I could be more dynamic if I could, if I could just get the mic. <laughs> if I could just make my, my communication skills excellent, you know? If I could just have the next prophetic word, and Jesus is like, man, would you actually just grab a bowl and a towel and clean people's feet? This is, we, you know, like, I don't know if any of you grew up in the church, but there's like, you know, in, in so many places and like a youth group or, I don't know, special church service, you have like a foot washing moment. And it's actually so, it's actually quite intimate. It's awesome. I'm not, I'm not trying to come against those or anything like that. But, you know, like. You're like washing people's feet, and one person has slightly stinky feet, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to wash someone else's feet, you know? Uh, but you, you gotta, you've got to, like, contextualize what Jesus is doing washing feet. These streets are muddy. They're filthy. They're walking in the dirt all day. They're not closed-toed shoes. And, you know, as you're walking on the road, guess what else walks on the road? Animals walk on the road. Poop is all over the roads. These are th this is the lowest job. The lowest job. It would be like cleaning the Ohana Court bathrooms when someone took a dump and that thing ain't flushing. We, we, we laugh, but we all know. We all seen the Ohana Court bathroom when it's like that. He, he has found the lowest job. In fact, as he comes to Peter, he's like, let me wash your feet. And Peter's like, you can't wash my feet because Peter is almost feeling shame by how low his king is going. He's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, you can't. And you love Peter. He's like, Jesus is like, I must do this. And he's like, okay, watch the whole, all of me. You know, Peter's like, take all of me. But this moment is so insane. He's broken so many cultural norms to say, actually, I am the king, but actually, this is what it means to lead. This is what it means to be the king. Isn't that crazy? Let's keep going. Oh, the Bible's good. All right, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. If I had all quote something that's not in your manual. I don't think this teaching got changed, but be like, someone just give me a weird look, like you, you being crazy, all right? Uh, Matthew 20, 20 through 28, grant one of these two of my sons, sorry, grant that one of these two, two sons of mine may sit at your right and your left in your kingdom. I can't remember if Andy touched on this, but this is so funny. James and John's, they're literally like, we so badly want significance. We so badly want significance that we are going to send our mom to ask on our behalf. And my mom is here right now, and I might be that petty. I might be like, Mama, get up there and ask him. <laughs> and she would, because she's a good mama. You, know? you can't even hate, on, uh, you can't even hate on, on the mama in this story. She's just being a good mama. James and John, where are you at? Man up, guys. Man up. They're like, hey, we want to matter. We really want to be significant. You're already traveling with the king of kings. What do you mean you want to matter and be significant? And Jesus says... You might not be able to hold the cup that I'm going to hold. I'm talking about laying your life down. Are you sure that's something you want? If leadership is about your significance, it isn't leadership. There was a, there was a time in Florida a couple years ago. We were doing this outreach, and it was so fun. We, we had maybe 150 of us putting it on. We put on like a small fair in this underserved community, just a very poor community, uh, a place that would never have a fair come because they would never be able to afford it. And we got inflatables, bouncy houses, slides. We got cotton candy. 
snow cones, hot dogs, burgers, had a tent with live music, and it was just all free games for all the kids. And for several days, we were knocking on doors all throughout the neighborhood being like, come to the fair on this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Come to the fair. It's going to be amazing. We gathered several hundred, mostly kids, but a few parents. It was so fun. And then twice a day for two days, we would gather everybody up in this tent. We'd be like, come on in to hear live music and just a, a message of why we're putting on a free fair where everything's free. And they come in, we play one worship song, and then someone would preach the gospel, and we just saw souls get saved, and it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And because we only had, we had four moments, we had 150 people ministering, but we had four moments to have, this was Ari's DTS. Were you at this fair? Or did you not? No, you know this. All right, we have four moments to have somebody preach the gospel throughout the weekend. You know, midday on Saturday, evening on Saturday, midday on Sunday, evening on Sunday. And I was like, dang. We only have a few moments. We have a ton of people come. I want a confident communicator. But really, I just want someone who preaches the gospel everywhere, who their life is the gospel. And so I asked four different staff where I'm like, hey, will you preach the gospel at the, at the fair this weekend? And it was awesome. And they did a fantastic job. But this student who I was friends with comes up to me. And don't worry, him and I, are, I'm not roasting him in this story. I love him with my whole heart. And we're all good on this story. But he comes up to me and he goes, Zane, I... How come, only staff, only, how come only staff get to preach the gospel? He's just mad. I'm like, oh, bro, I'm so sorry. Tell, tell me again what you're upset about. He was like, well, you, you only picked four staff. There's only four, you picked four staff. And I've got no problem picking students. I just prayed and I felt to pick staff. You know, it wasn't even about staff or student on that. And, he, and, and he's like, you, you just, you, uh, when is my chance? Like, well, like how come not me? And I leaned in, and I, and, I, and I with love smiled, and I go, hey, bro, I'm so sorry. Did someone prevent you from preaching the gospel today? Is someone stopping you? And he was like, what? I go, like, is there someone following you around today, making sure, saying, like, I'll fight you if you preach the gospel? And he's like, what? Like, like, is somebody, like, yelling over you as you're trying to share the love of Jesus with these kids in this neighborhood? And he's like, oh. What are you saying? I'm like, oh, are you actually asking me how come only staff get to use the microphone on this event? And I smiled and I hugged him. I was like, bro, I love you. You're awesome. But we don't care about a microphone movement. It's meaningless. This is a gospel movement. And we came to serve the lost and brokenhearted. And we're going to do that by preaching the gospel. And he was awesome. He gave me a hug and understood. And we worked through it together. But is your desire for leadership about you becoming significant? It will not make you significant. I think about, I think about the COVID school when we, you know, I don't know if some of you may have heard about it, but we had a couple COVID schools. One, one particular one that we ran, we had, because of Hawaii's quarantine rules, we had to quarantine people for 17 days in their dorms as they arrived, standard, everybody. It was supposed to be 14, and then it was really weird. doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but the government flexed on us, and we had to do it for 17 days. And so in order to run a good DTS, I'm like, how do you disciple people from outside of the dorm? So we had to ask the staff, Ari was one of those staff, <laughs> to lock themselves into rooms with students for 17 days. So they didn't even need to quarantine per the government. They just locked themselves. I mean, Isaiah quarantined as he arrived for his DTS for 30 for 30-something days because he tested positive at the end of his 17 days. <laughs> so if you want to just know, like, who's the hero in this room, Asai is absolutely a hero. He, like, it was awesome. He came out of that, that, he came out of that room, and you're like, is this dude Moses? His face is shining. <laughs> like, 
I like, whoa, dang, you know God better than I know God. He just went after Jesus the whole time. But, but it's crazy. And because of it, all of our staff are locked into the rooms. And there was only four of us that were outside of the rooms for our DTS. And so four of us to deliver meals and take out trash. And like, it was just like, there was no winning. <laughs> there was no winning. And then we came to this topic of laundry. And we were like, we can't even offer a way to get your laundry done. Because it's just impossible. There's no way we can do hundreds of people worth of laundry. And then I find out the next week that some, some of the rooms got their laundry done. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Who did your laundry? And there's this woman on our campus and her name is Darlene Cunningham. And she's one of the founders of our movement, has seen 5 million missionaries get trained, 30,000 full-time staff members ascribing to the movement that she started. And she finds out that we need help. And so she goes, where can I help? I would love to do 18-year-old sweaty laundry if I could. And started redefining to me, what is it to lead? What is it to be a kingdom leader? I can remember during my DTS, there was a speaker he was a base leader at the time. He's moved on to other Wyoming projects now. There was a speaker, and, or a, a, a base leader, sorry. And he would speak at Thursday night gatherings. That, like a thousand people would be sitting in on, listen to him. He's got two decades plus of mission experience, this brilliant man. And I remember thinking like, wow, every time he teaches, it's like, this guy's a great teacher. He's so funny and so engaging and the Bible's coming alive. And, and then I remember I go, into, I go into the kitchen one Sunday, or yeah, one Sunday to, to work a kitchen shift. Maybe Monday, I don't remember. It was really early. And I walk in there, and his name was Chung Ho. And I walk in there, and I see this dude just cooking eggs at the grill. And I go, that guy looks like Chung Ho. I'm like, probably rolled up late. I'm like half awake. That guy is Chung Ho. And I like hustle over to him, and I'm like, hey. Uh, I don't even know him. <laughs> like I walk up like we're buddies, and I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> he goes, oh, bro, welcome to YWAM. Just goes back to ripping eggs for the rest of the morning. <laughs> What is it to be a kingdom leader? What is it to serve? Let's get into it. And, 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 and you're listening like, okay. I, and I, what I know is, is that this room is overflowing with servant leaders. Like, I just know that. You, you don't get on planes and come here without going like, I came to serve the king of kings and the nations. And if you did get on a plane and came here without that inside of you, uh, that's okay. God knew you came here and he put it inside of you. So th this, this is a room full of, this is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer for us. So, so you guys are like, dang, I, we're ready, Zane. D tell us, like, how do we do it? Like, what is it? Do I, like, open the door for people or, like, take their dishes at the cafeteria? Yeah, do those things. You need to do those things. Those are good things. So that I clean my room or do my, my, my roommate's dishes? Yes, do those things. But we want to go after the deeper heart piece, yeah? We want to go after the deeper heart piece. How do we do this? Someone say, the teachable get the breakthrough. Now, somebody say it with like a little bit of sauce. The teacher will get the breakthrough. Well, I kind of believe you. One more time. The teacher will get the breakthrough. Now, so fast that you can't even understand what you're saying. The teacher will get the breakthrough. All right, good. Now, I believe you. A culture of servanthood promotes an attitude of teachability no matter our age, position, or title. Lack of teachability shows a lack of servant-minded leadership. If we ever become the teacher with all the answers, we have missed the mark of the servant who never stops learning. Humility. Humility is how we become this person. There's two options I have. What up, Laura? Oh, it's not? I'll keep going. I'm sorry, guys. The teachable get the breakthrough. And I, and I said, a culture of servanthood 
dang, I'm so sad it's not in your book. A culture of servanthood promotes an attitude of teachability no matter our age, position, or title. Lack of teachability shows a lack of servant-minded leadership. If we ever become the teacher with all the answers, we have missed the mark of the servant who never stops learning. Who never stops learning. I thought Laura was about to preach. I was excited. I was like, get up here, Laura. Take this. I got stoked. Which is just another example of what it is to be a crazy, humble leader because Laura is a pastor in Scotland and has come to be a student here. And she's probably annoyed with me hyping her up so often, but I, just, I think she's brilliant. Let's read a couple scriptures again. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Someone say yikes. Whoever, let's go again, Proverbs 12, 1. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. I'll read it again. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And this is, this, I, you wonder, you wonder right now, oh no, is Zane calling, like some of us may hate correction, probably not, probably none of us, but maybe one person. You're like, that person here is like, dang, I hate correction. Did Zane just call me stupid? I didn't call you stupid. The Bible just called you stupid. <laughs> and you can guarantee that this is 100% gospel truth. If you hate correction, you stupid. Amen? It's okay. I've hated correction before. I was stupid. I repented. It's fine. The teacher will get the breakthrough. The teacher will get the breakthrough. Teachability is to be highly valued. Whoever seeks wisdom seeks life. David imparted teachability to Solomon when he was young, who in turn taught his sons to seek wisdom. This is crazy. I'm going to flip to Proverbs 4. Just flip to Proverbs 4. I'm going to do it. Got to get in it. Got to get in it. All right, Proverbs 4. Let's just read it. What time are we at? 8.34. Guys, we're killing this right now. Thought I was going to get worked up and talk for too long, but we're going good. I am already sweaty, though, at 8.35 in the morning. It's fine. I'm not complaining. (laughs) Okay, it says this in Proverbs 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and only a child of my mother, he taught me and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have and understand all you have, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. You gotta love how this is Solomon writing, and his dad was David, and he's saying, Let me tell you, my sons, like my dad told me when I was a boy. All right? 
So, so Solomon's like, dang, when I was a boy, dad told me this. You're a boys. I'll tell you this. Get wisdom. And you're like, well, okay, there's got to be some secret judo chop prayer that I pray to get wisdom that will get this thing done, right? He's like, no, it'll cost you everything. Get understanding. <laughs> well, okay, but like, sure, great, but like, certainly there's a prophet who can lay hands on me and then I can really take off on this thing. No, get wisdom. At all costs, get wisdom. See, we know Solomon as the wisest man who ever lived, that he had this dream where he asked God, give me wisdom. And God said, yeah, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else because you asked for the right thing, right? Some of us think that that possibly means that, wi- that Solomon just got zapped with wisdom from that dream, that he woke up and was like, and he just became the smartest person who ever lived. Whoa, I'm so wise now. This is crazy. No, I have a feeling that's probably a bit different. Is that when he was a young boy, his dad told him, get wisdom. Put in the work. Humble yourself and learn your whole life. Get understanding. It's going to cost a lot. Put in the work. And understand, some of us want a prayer for an anointing or influence. But God is so kind that he's like, what you actually need is just to develop your character. Some of us want a prayer for anointing or influence, but God is so kind that he's like, what you actually need is to develop your character. That I'm kind enough that I'm not going to give you that thing that your heart so desires because I love you enough to not put that on you because that will crush you and kill you. There's an there's a old, uh, old, I don't know, there's a like charismatic preacher line that I always kind of roll my eyes at, but it's so good and true. It's, it's that uh, God, isn't, God isn't trying to wound your pride. He's not. He's not like that. He's not here, here trying to wound your pride. He's trying to murder your pride. <laughs> because if he doesn't, it will murder you. It has to come out of us. It has to come out of us. And he loves us enough to say, at any cost, get wisdom. Get understanding. Humble yourself and become the person who never graduates learning. You know how many times, for five years of schools now, I've got an 18-year-old who comes up to me, and he's like, Zane, I have to to tell you something. And I'm like, yes, you do. And he's like, I'm just listening to the teacher, and I just got the craziest revelation. And I'm like, I bet you did. And he's like, God is a father. And he loves me. And I've got options in that moment. I got options. I give me like, dog, welcome. <laughs> Glad you just figured this out. Or I can look at him in the eyes and be like, bro, pray for me right now because there's a revelation you're having about the goodness of God and the Father that I might not have yet, and I need you to lay hands on me right now because I have to know who this God is. I have to know. Who will we be? Are we the people who will never stop learning? Could, could the teachable really get the breakthrough? I think they could. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. The teachable always get the breakthrough. Teachability sets us up to hear the preposterous from God. I love that. I love that Derek's going off on the preposterous. Ryan's story. When was the last time you did something preposterous? When was the last time you did something crazy? 
A lot of you came here because you're like, I want to do something crazy. But the key to doing something crazy is humbling yourself. To learn, to learn to listen, to submit, is humbling yourself. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Think about the crazy Bible stories. Think about Gideon with the 300. Gideon has 22,000 soldiers, and he still is like, this fight we might lose. But he's like, 22,000, pretty good number, pretty good number. Not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. Cool, 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 cool. Right, 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 right. 22,000, pretty strong. We're looking good. The boys are looking good. The shield's looking tough. That sword looking mean. Jonah been in the gym. Like he's looking good back there leading the men. <laughs> I don't know where Jonah is. Oh, he couldn't come, dang. Uh, but then God goes, okay. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to do. You're going to take them all to the water, and you're going to have them drink. And anybody who gets down on their hands and knees and drinks like a dog, you're going to tell them to leave. I might be doing this out of order. It's all right. You're going to tell them to leave. Anybody who remains vigilant and slurps some water like this, they get to stay. And he rolls up. They all get down. And I can imagine this moment where Gideon is watching 10,000 guys get down on their hands and knees and stick their heads in the water like dogs and be like, uh, uh, no, 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 No. If you want to go, you can go. <laughs> he goes from 22,000 down to 300 people. And God gives him victory because he's teachable. God lets him win because he listens and obeys. Let's keep going. David with five smooth stones. We know this story. We know David killing, fighting a giant. It's actually not much of a kid story. The Bible's actually kind of crazy because we're like, we'll do like the, we'll like make it like the, uh, I love Veggie Tales, but we'll make it the Veggie Tales story where it's like this very cute kid and, and he's just bonking someone on the head. That story ends with, with Goliath getting his head sawed off with his own sword. That's crazy. I, no, it's crazy. I mean, like, you got to paint it on a nursery wall and you're like, that guy, that was murder. That was crazy. <laughs> Or like, don't even get me started on Noah's Ark. That's just insane. You like got all these two by two animals and you're like, millions drowning. Like, like it's crazy. Either way, David, sorry, back to it. Don't get on a tangent scene. I just think nurseries have weird paintings. I just, I'm sorry. David, five smooth stones. Wouldn't it be the wisdom of God? Wouldn't it be the wisdom of God to say, I'll pick the boy and I'll pick the most audacious, silly, tool to do it, but he will listen to me and obey me, and I will give him victory over the giant. The teacher will get the breakthrough. Naaman taking instructions from a servant and washing in a dirty river. At first he gets offended, and he's like, I don't know about this, but his servant is like, master, just do it. He's, he's Jesus. What's it going to cost you? Who, like, who cares? 
get your healing. And his humility goes and gets in a dirty river from the instruction of his servant, and he gets healing. The teacher will get the breakthrough. Joshua wins the battle by marching around the city and blowing trumpets. It would have been terrifying. Terrifying. You're not even, you don't even have a battle plan. You're just ripping the horns around that thing. The teacher will get the breakthrough. Okay, that's the first one. How do we become servant leaders? We gotta go faster, the second one. We gotta become responsibility takers instead of excuse makers. It rhymes, so it's more spiritual. No, I'm just kidding. But it's true. Responsibility takers instead of excuse makers. Servant hearted leaders are those who are willing to take responsibility, not just for their own actions, but for the actions of others. Not just for their own actions, but for the actions of others. How many of us, I'm not going to look, how many of us been offended at our roommates already? How many of us been offended by the dishes in the sink already? How many of us, how many of us seen an overflowing trash can on this campus and walked past it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe none. Maybe a lot. Who knows? The original sin was one of excuse making. This is one that actually blows my mind. You've got Adam and Eve in the garden. They have everything they could want. Hello, birds. They got everything they could want. Communion with God, probably the best food you've ever eaten. I kind of have a feeling that the fruit in the garden was like eating steak. I just, like, I'm like, God, like, we all know steak is good. So I'm like, they must have been accessing that before they were, before they were doing that. You know, they were, I just, anyways, don't matter. Uh, focus, focus, focus. But they, they had, they, they had the, like the life, pure creation. Literally, God is creating and they're naming the animals with God. They're taking, to, they're the first ever, they're the first ever physical humans to find communion with God and they're doing it with creativity and taking dominion over the earth in the coolness of the day, catching sunsets like you wouldn't believe. And then the serpent pulls up, speaks to Eve, pokes her biggest insecurity, one of control. I want control. And, I, and, and it's not to say that men don't deal with control too, but ladies, this is, this is one that comes up a lot. It's a trend. There's, there's a desire for that security, that safety. I want the control. Right? And in insecurity, he's like, hey, this will give you the knowledge of good and evil, and you'll get that control. But then men, I think we actually served, we sinned before Eve did, even though she took the apple. Controversial, whatever. I think it's the case. That he watched his wife get lied to. And men, I love that Derek ripped on this yesterday. Passivity is going to tend to be our thing. It's not to say that women don't have to struggle with passivity. It's not to say men don't struggle with control, but this tends to be trends. You know, 
this original sin of he's watching his wife get lied to by a serpent. Then just remain silent. I'm not going to take the fruit. We'll let her take the fruit first. I'll just be over here playing video games. Oh, just kidding. Sorry. Um, Poke the golden calf. Uh, We'll poke that later. Find yourself a friend like Alex to be in the crowd. She make you feel hilarious. I'm the funniest person who's ever preached. And then God comes. And what does Adam do? God. The woman that you put here she took the fruit yikes he goes from passivity to excuse making no Adam man up and tell your wife her identity and love her tell the enemy be silent don't make excuses You know what's crazy about that? We've always, I mean, I always read the response of God is one of punishment. There is real atonement that needs to happen for sin. But I always read his response as a punishment. But if you go back, he doesn't curse Adam or Eve. He actually curses the serpent and he curses the earth. It's really interesting. Doesn't curse Adam or Eve. Curses the earth and says, Adam, look, your assignment now is going to be to work the earth because I'm going to help you overcome this passivity, son. goes, Eve, this control, it's killing you. So I'm going to ask you to submit to man and to submit to the pain of childbirth and give up control. And he doesn't actually come and curse them. He says, I want to set you free. From the very first moment, he's already begun. I want you to be free. You're making excuses, but I want to help you become the leaders that I know that the two of you are. I will help you. And you know what's even crazier? We fast forward to the cross where Adam, where sin entered through one man, Adam, a man who did commit the sin and then made an excuse that he didn't. Now we have the reverse, the mere opposite found in Jesus, the man who committed no sin but said, I'll take responsibility for all of it. Sign me up. I'll take responsibility. I didn't cause the problem of sin and brokenness, but sign me up. Pin me to that cross instead. And it's crazy because, you know, and, and women's giving up control, they are giving control in their body and submitting, and Jesus gives up control of his body and submits to the Father. Covers that sin. But then in men's passivity, he does the ultimate initiatory leader move, and he sacrifices his own life. Covers that sin. the ultimate responsibility taker. And this is, this is why we've come. This is why we've come. You didn't fill up that trash overflash tra- overflowing trash can, but I, I know you can, 
be sure that we'll be the ones to take it out. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't do these, I didn't eat these off these dishes, but I will be the one to clean these dishes. I didn't cause a foster care crisis in America, but I will fight to see foster families strengthened. I, I didn't cause the brokenness of my brothers and sisters back home who are still living in sin and they've been wounded by the church and by people who are representing Jesus incorrectly, but I will take responsibility for it. I didn't cause all of the Himalayas to not know the truth about the King of glory, but you better believe I'm getting my butt on a plane and I'm getting out there to take responsibility for it. This is what it is to be servant-hearted leaders. The teachable get the breakthrough. And we have to take responsibility. We have to take responsibility, guys. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you preach it and you're like, this is awesome. And then a sheep baths and you're like, I'm not that awesome. <laughs> Humble yourself, say the teacher will get the breakthrough. Three point one billion people. Three point one, I think it's bigger than that now. Three point one billion people, whether they're saved or not, but would profess Christianity. Three point one billion. And he started that movement with a bowl, a towel, and washing dirt and poop off of people's feet. What kind of a leader do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Stand up, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now, in Jesus' name, convict us of anywhere in our life we find significance through prophesying or praying or looking a certain way or being a good leader. Convict us of any way that we've promoted an idea of what it is to be a leader, but we've actually forgotten about the ultimate leader, and it's you. Convict us right now, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would mark us this morning with a deep, deep desire to become kingdom leaders. I want to be a servant, Lord. I want to be a servant. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about DTS and Fighting for Against, you can check out our website at ywamkona.com or reach out to us on our social media platforms. For more on servant-hearted leadership, stay right here on the Fighting for Against podcast.